Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So, this past Sunday, Jesus, it, it, we, we know it as Palm Sunday. And in Palm Sunday, remember, it was all about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Now, for those of you that have signed up and are going to Israel, you will see, you will see the, the, it's not the Via della Rosa. That's the way to the cross. This is just the, this is just the way into Jerusalem as the people were praising him. And, um, one thing we noticed, and I want to, I want to try to paint a picture and take you back there. Jesus comes in. He's riding on a donkey. Now, remember, there's two donkeys. He's riding on one of them. Okay, we won't get deep into the teaching. I just want to set the screen. And the one thing we noticed is the crowd was cheering. And they were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name, who, blessed be who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, what you need to understand is the same crowd who was, who was shouting, shouting Hosanna was not the same crowd that was saying crucify him. These people understood and knew who Jesus, just like you are. You understand and know who Jesus is. This was a different crowd who were yelling, crucify him here a little bit later on. And the people here were waving palm branches as our Lord and Savior went into Jerusalem and they honored him. As a matter of fact, not only was it palm branches, but they would lay down their cloaks. They would lay down their clothes on the floor as the donkey rode. And what we learned is that he comes in and people are blessing him. But he also he also weeps for Jerusalem. In verse 41, notice it says, Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close in on you on every side and level you and your children within you and the ground and they will leave you in one stone they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation so as the people are cheering my jesus is weeping he's weeping for israel he's saying there's coming a time when there's going to be destruction there's coming a time when when everything not one stone is and and we know the biblical study we know that the that they melted the gold and the gold fell between the rocks and they were so greedy that they were turning every single rock over to try to find gold and, and, and fatten up their bank accounts. But Jesus said that. And I started to think about our day and age. Think about what Jesus is saying. If Jesus was here now, would he be weeping over our city? Would he be weeping over our nation and saying, listen, you guys don't know it's about time. It's about time. Now, obviously, I'm preaching to the choir because, because on Wednesday nights are those people that are saying, man, I'm here and I want to serve the Lord and I love him and I love Jesus and this is amazing. But I, but I, think, of, I think of us as a whole church and I think of, of, of what, what he's saying. And, and I guess I would ask you, are you weeping for those that are not lost, for those that are lost? For those that don't know my Jesus like you know him, are you weeping is your heart breaking for, for many, many who are going to spend eternity in hell? And Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Well, what happens is he comes in on that Sunday, and then on Monday, so think about where, we, where you were on Monday morning. Some of you went to work. Some of you were doing other things. But think about Monday morning. So Jesus comes into the temple. Look at for, verse 45 with me. 
Then he went into the temple and he saw something that he didn't like. Why? Well, he began to drive out all those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you guys have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily at the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people, well, they sought to destroy him. And they were unable to do anything for all the people were very attentive to hear them. That's Luke's gospel. And so all of a sudden he comes in because he wants to spend some time in prayer. He wants to spend some time with people. And he notices that in the church that it's changed. It's changed. And here's what, here's some good application for us. I want you, I want you to paint. This is Monday morning. This is Monday. Okay. We're Wednesday today. This is Monday. But Jesus comes in and he confronts them on a very spiritual issue. And they react like he's confronting them on another issue, maybe an economic issue. Wait a minute. Um, we're selling our goods and you're telling us not to sell here. How are we going to make ends meet? And I wonder tonight, let's take a moment to listen and see if the Lord is confronting us on any spiritual issues. Anything that we need to walk closer to God, anything that we need to confess. And the Lord's like knocking on our heart ever so gently, and, and he says, okay, okay. But, but before we jump into the rest of the week, let's unpack these verses, because I want you to know what's going on here. So Monday morning, Jesus comes in, to the temple, and he finds the people have made it a den of thieves. You go, well, what does that mean exactly? Well, many of them were selling sacrifices for prophets and not wanting to truly help the people. Okay? Sounds like a lot of our churches today, unfortunately. You go, well, what happened? Well, think about this. Every male Jew had to pay a temple tax every year of a half a shekel. That was equal to about six pence, but in evaluating it, it must be remembered that it was equal to nearly two days' pay for the working men. So think about that. A month before Passover, booths were set up in all the towns and villages so they could be paid there. But by far, the greater part was actually paid by the pilgrims in Jerusalem when they came over to the Passover feast. Now, let us take a look at the sellers of animals. You go, why? Because almost every visit to the temple involved a sacrifice. It's almost like Mike O'Reilly sitting outside going, okay, you coming to church, well, you've got to have a sacrifice. And, and you can't come to church unless you offer a sacrifice. Well, most of the people go, oh, I was running late today. I don't, I didn't, I don't have the sacrifice. Well, then you'd have a booth inside here. No, that's okay. Because we have, a, we have something set up for you so you can come and get it. Now, Outside those doors, it was very reasonable to get a sacrifice, to get something that you were going to sacrifice to the Lord. But if you came inside, guess what would happen, right? What would happen was they would actually jack the price up 75%. And so what cost five pence on the outside would now cost 75 on the inside. And it's equivalent to saying, okay, so we're gonna, you're going to sacrifice a lamb when you come to church. It's going to cost you $5, but if you come in church, we've now raised the price to $100. Well, you knew at the church that the sacrifice was without blemish, so, you, so a lot of people actually were paying that. We're paying that. And I started to think about this, and I thought, well, what could be some application about that, Lord? And he reminded me that we are the temple of God. You and I are the temple. You see, 
In 70 AD, Titus Vespasian came in and he wiped out the temple there in Jerusalem. There hasn't been a temple. There hasn't been a temple for over 2,000 years. You understand that. Okay, and why? Because Jesus said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You now are going to be the temple of the living God. It's a living temple. He lives inside us. But just in a, in a way of prophecy, um, they're getting ready to build the third temple. And they have all the utensils they need for the sacrifice, and then they also have the red heifer for the sacrifice. That's done. And it, wouldn't, it shouldn't surprise you if you turn on the news tomorrow and you see the building of the temple, or at least the, the beginning constructions of it. Now, we know the Antichrist has to come in and, and be part of that and give, have the Jews and all that stuff, but I want you to see, right now, we're, we're the living temple. And you go, okay, Ben, so what's the problem? Well, Jesus goes into the temple, okay, you guys understand that, and he sees that they've, made it, they've allowed things in the temple that shouldn't be there. They've upped the prices and everything else. And so the application for us as we ponder for just a moment on tonight's upper room service is I want you to take a look and I want you to say, is there anything in your heart that you've allowed to take up residence? Something that shouldn't be there. Oftentimes there's a root of bitterness in our heart. We're mad about something. We haven't let it go. We're anxious. We're anxiety. There might be something in this temple. And what it does, listen to me, church, what it does is it blocks the flow of prayer because Jesus was coming in and he said, listen, my house should be a house of prayer. And you've made it a den of thieves. And sometimes, sometimes we allow things in our hearts that are blocking the flow of prayer. You say, like what? For example, if you are arguing with your wife, that blocks the flow of prayer. Jesus says, go get it right with your wife. I feel like God's not hearing me. Check, see if you're okay with your wife. That's important. There are times in prayer that we've allowed bitterness or anger or jealousy or whatever else that might be in there that blocks the flow of prayer. Or maybe it's something that we're praying amiss. We're praying for our own selfish gain. We're praying and we're not lining up with his will. If I'm being honest at church with you guys tonight, and I love you so much that I will be honest with you, there are times that in my prayer life, I feel like I'm fighting the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, this looks really good. Why aren't you doing this? And I feel like he's going, no, we're not going to do this. I'm going, God, please. I wonder what's in my heart that I'm not allowing to, to line up with what he's doing. So we need to take a moment, and we need to, we need to confess, Lord, what's in my heart? Because sometimes, so, so Jesus walks in and he sees the big den of thieves. He sees all the people around, but maybe in the corner over there, there's somebody that's not even, nobody's paying attention to, and maybe that's the thing that's still blocking it's still blocking the flow of prayer. Listen, church, maybe tonight, if you're being honest, you're saying, I feel like God isn't hearing my prayers. I feel like I'm farther away from God tonight than I was a year ago. Well, I think there's some good application, and I think tonight would be the night to say, hey, hey, 
And we need to make them, we, we need to understand and, 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 and realize that we need to, God, God didn't move, we did. We did. And so again tonight, my encouragement to you and to me would be to confess. Ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything in my life that's blocking my prayer life? Is there something that I'm, that I'm holding on to? So Sunday you have the triumphal entry. Crowd cheers. Jesus weeps. He comes in and he cleanses the temple. So the next day, Tuesday, Jesus does something interesting. He goes to the Mount of Olives. But before he goes to the Mount of Olives, he has one final teaching. So go back to Mark, Mark chapter 14. Go a little bit to the left. Mark chapter 14, guys. Matthew, Mark chapter 14, small book. Okay, this is his teaching. We're going to read 1 through 11. Mark 14, 1 through 11. It says, After two days it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. Now, before we go on, that always makes me mad, because Jesus did nothing but heal people, love people, do good things. He fed people. He prayed for people. He had mercy and compassion on people. And the religious people, they want to just take him by trickery, and they want to kill him. And they want to kill him. You go, that's right, Ben, I'm mad too, but let me just take it one more step. Because they did that to Jesus, there might be a day coming where they're going to do that to us. Okay, and you go, but I, no, 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 I'm, I'm, a good, I'm one of the good guys. There are, no, there are no good guys anymore. You are labeled. And, if they, and Jesus said, if, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Are you willing to stay and be a fully devoted follower of God, knowing what you know? Are you willing to go, listen, I'm going to go down that road because I love the Lord? Yeah, but it means persecution. It could mean, it could mean death. I'm going to go down that road. I'm going to go down that road. But they said nothing, it says in verse 2, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany, notice, At the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. And she broke the flask, poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves, saying, Why was this fragrant fragrant oil wasted? It might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do good to them. But me, you do not always, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, whenever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. 
Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray him. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Now, Jesus is teaching another beautiful lesson for you and I. Okay, so they gather together. They're with, they're with the family, and here comes a lady. And again, he, he's at, they're in Bethany at the house of Simon. Simon was a leper. He's healed now. Okay? Although he's probably going throughout history as Simon the leper. That's kind of a bummer, you know? When I say Thomas, how many of you think of doubting Thomas, you know? Um, I want to be faithful. Okay? I want to be known in the Bible as faithful. <laughs> faithful. Um, but anyway, so there she is. And, and, and she does something very interesting. Lord, listen, she's, she's preparing his body for burial, but... But she's being what? She's being ridiculed. She's being she's being ousted. She's she's why? Because she she comes in and she breaks the flask of oil and pours it and anoints him. I want you for just a second to put yourself in that situation. What? How much are we giving to God? You see, she poured everything she had. This was everything she had. And again, she comes in, and they were indignant. They were saying, why wasn't this, da-da-da, you could hear. And Jesus, he says, stop it. Stop it. She's done a good thing. The poor you'll always have. We'll always have the poor. But what's he saying? What's he saying? So Jesus, he just looks, he just looks with favor on this woman who comes in and, and her anointing. But listen, listen to me. She's not a priest. She's not an authorized prophet, yet she anoints the head with valuable oil because he's the king. Jesus declares her actions to be a beautiful thing because she has prepared his body for burial. She, had, she didn't hold anything back in her commitment to glorify Jesus. Church, if I can exhort you in the weeks, in the months, in the years to come, could we tonight say, I'm in 100%. I'm not holding anything back. I'm not holding anything back. That's what she did. She didn't hold anything for her commitment. She's going to follow the Lord. The value of her sacrifice is shown later when Jesus' body is hastily buried in the tomb, right away he was already he was already anointed. What happens on Tuesday? That was Tuesday. Now all the time in the mind, Jesus is getting ready. He's what he's getting ready. Wednesday, it's known as Holy Wednesday. That's today, and it's a day of rest. My prayer is that you rested today at least. So then Thursday, Thursday is the Passover and the Last Supper. It's known as Maudie Thursday, and they have communion. Go back to Matthew 26. Go back to Matthew. So it's another book to the, to the left. Matthew 26. Okay, we're going to pick it up in verse 26. This is the communion. It says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, he gave thanks, gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, 
For this is my blood, the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, notice what he says, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. In just a moment, in just a little bit, we're going to partake in communion. Okay? I've asked Adam and I've asked Joseph to... They're going to pass this out. Okay? This is going to be done towards the end of our service. But I want you to think about this. On Sunday, we did it as a body. Tonight, we're not going to take it together and, and... as a family, because I want you to worship with your spouse. I want you to worship alone. We're pretty, we're pretty, um, when it comes to worship, we don't want to cause a distraction. And, and But on certain nights like tonight, the altar's open. The place is yours. You can kneel down. You can bow down. You can lay in the middle of the, wherever you want to. This is This is for you. Most of the time we're like, okay, we're going to stay very, we're going to stay just, we're going to kind of do our thing. We'll do the Bible study, we'll sing and amen and we'll high five each other on the way out and we'll visit and we'll fellowship. But tonight, tonight is, it's about you. And so if you get communion and you want to have communion with your wife or you want to get alone in the corner or you just want to bow, that's, that's for you. We'll do that in just a moment. That's Thursday, that's tomorrow. Then Friday comes, and of course you guys know this, it's the wrongful trials, it's the crucifixion, it's the death. Put Jesus in the tomb. Jesus is resting in the tomb, and of course you know very early on Sunday morning is what we call Resurrection Sunday. And I think it's really, really important, because I was thinking about the resurrection. Joseph was in my office earlier, and he was having a conversation with someone who... He was having a conversation with someone who was talking about Easter and Easter eggs and bunny and all that. And uh, it's about the resurrection because we benefit from the resurrection. You understand that because Jesus resurrected. He was the firstborn, which means he stayed that way. We're going to resurrect as well. Now, we may not die to resurrect, but we'll be transformed in the resurrection. Now, there's other people who we love that will die. I have a cousin in Albuquerque. He fought a hard battle with cancer, but now they sent him home with hospice. He knows Jesus, loves Jesus, but you know he's going to die. But the fact that Jesus rose, he's going to rise. He's going to rise. Church tonight, if you get nothing else, leave here knowing that death is nothing but just a simple journey for the believer to go home. It's a graduation. It's not a thing that any of us should fear. It's not any of us should be like, oh, I don't want to die. We should go, Lord, whenever you want me, I'm ready. I don't necessarily want to go with you know, glass coming at me and another vehicle and all that. I, that but, uh, but let's go back to Thursday for just a moment, guys. Um, say goodbye to Matthew and go one, one last turn. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Let's talk about this a little bit on Thursday. It says, John chapter 13, picking it up in verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of Passover, 
when Jesus knew his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. Say, that's me. Say, that's me. He loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil have already put in, in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, notice, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he should come from God and was going to God. Notice what he does in verse 4. He rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter. Now, before we get to Simon Peter, can you imagine the scene? They're all together. They're having a great time. They're laughing. It's as, this is serious. They still haven't comprehended that this, Jesus is going to the cross tomorrow because it's Thursday, okay? And uh, Jesus does the unthinkable. He gets up, he girds himself, and he begins to wash their feet. Now, this would have tripped them out. You understand that. This would have been like, no, no, you don't do this. You're the master. You're the rabbi. You're the Messiah. You, we need to serve you. But Jesus was giving them an example. And so he comes to Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And that's a, that's a lot of us tonight. Whoa, wait a minute. I didn't know if you were going to wash my feet. I would have washed them at home. I'm, this is what he's saying. And Jesus answered him. Notice what he says. What I'm doing now, you don't understand now, but you will after this. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he washed their feet, taking his garments, he sat down and he said to them, Do you know what I've done? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. So Jesus does something that's just amazing, church. He comes and he washes the feet of his disciples. You go, well, Ben, what does it mean exactly? Well, first and foremost, for us, it's a beautiful picture of forgiveness. It's a beautiful picture of forgiveness. So I'm asking you tonight to do something very, very hard. Forgive. Now, when we forgive, church, metaphorically, we wash somebody's feet. We don't use scalding hot water to remind them of their sin that we're forgiving. Okay, look, go just use the hot water and, and, and that sort of thing. You just and, and, and we make them and we make them pay over and over for something that we've forgiven them. And it's very, very hard. I'm not saying it's easy. But we also don't use ice cold water to where we don't even talk to them again after we've forgiven them. Jesus used warm water. Tonight, church, we're using warm water. It also shows a picture of servanthood. Of servanthood. I don't know if you guys know this, but I hold a class every week for a couple of fellas in here that that have a call, that feel like they have a call into the ministry. And it's about serving. 
It's about serving you. So as we wait, tonight we're going to pray for healing. And maybe as you come and you allow us to wash your feet, you would ask us to pray for healing as well. This might be a time of healing between you and the Lord. For you, it might be a time of reflection. It might be a time of contemplation. You know, thinking about what Jesus has actually done for us. Let us be reminded of our service to the Lord. See, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, and during the last meal, before the disciples, before his arrest, he showed that he was willing to humble himself and serve those he loved. In response to this powerful example, Jesus gave his followers a new commandment. What did he say? He says, love one another and show others that you love them by serving them in the same manner that Jesus did. So we want to do that tonight. So here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. We're going to turn the lights down low. As your pastor, as your senior pastor and, and as your associate pastor, we want to extend what Jesus did for us tonight. As a new commandment for us in this church tonight, we want to love one another and to serve one another. So, in a beautiful way, Pastor Sof's going to be right here. I'm going to be right here. You're going to sit in the chair. We're going to be on our knees. We're going to just serve you. All you have to do is take off your shoes right where you're at and just come on up. Don't worry about the carpet or anything else. Talia and the team, I think the whole team is going to be, we're going to be singing some songs and waiting on the Lord. If you're a couple here and you go, you know what, I really, I need, to, I need to be right with my wife. Or maybe you just want to declare, I need to, I need to do this. Then I'll switch spots with you and you get to wash your wife's feet. That's you declaring, hey, I'm going to serve my wife. I'm going to be a good example to Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. When we're done with this, I'm going to ask Adam and Joseph, they're going to pass out the elements, and um, you can just go right into the communion however you want to do it. Pray with each other if you want prayer, whatever you need. Um, I, have, I have both our elders here tonight. If you need prayer, however you want to do that, you can tap on Joe or Mike or Riley and just pray, whatever you need. But tonight is your night. And so... Let the, Lord do a, let the Lord do a work. What do you need tonight? Do you need healing? Do you need forgiveness? Do you just need love? That's what we're going to do. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us. And Lord, we just ask God that you would now just do an incredible work, God, as we want to serve our church here, as we want to serve our church body, God. Lord, you're going to do a great work. And so God, just do that work as we worship you we give you tonight. Holy Spirit, come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.